Are you ready to get fired up? This is the Spitfire Podcast with your host, Lauren Lemunyan, the Spitfire Coach, a certified life and business coach out of Washington, D.C. We're talking to everyday people on the topics that burn them out and ignite their passion. So sit back, relax, and get ready to spit some fire. What's going on, guys? It's your host, Lauren Lemunyan, and I'm super excited that you have joined us for season two of the Spitfire podcast. Now, if you didn't catch any of the episodes in season one, fear not. They're available on our website at spitfirepodcast.com, or you can listen to them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So head on over there, click the link, download it, subscribe, tell your friends, and enjoy the show. What's going on, Spitfires? Welcome back to another awesome episode of the Spitfire Podcast. Today, we have a new guest on the show. I found her because I'm a bit of a cherry picker. And uh, if you've been listening to the show, you would know that uh, Spitting Fire was on Sparkle Hustle Grow back in October. And the wonderful Julie at Sparkle Hustle Grow is a great picker. And today's guest is no exception. Today, we're talking about something different. Usually, we're talking about mindset. We're talking about strategies. And I guess this is part of the strategy, but we're going to be diving into the question, is bigger always better when it comes to your business? We've got the author of The Magic of Tiny Business and the founder and CEO of EcoBags. So she's not just writing books and telling you how to run your business, but she's actually running businesses. Sharon Rowe, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And ditto on Julie. She's amazing. So, so good. She's so yeah. good. And if you haven't checked out Sparkle Hustle Grow, go check it out. She's got some great boxes out there. And if you're an author, it's a great place for placement to get some amazing people reading your book. Yeah, it's awesome. been wonderful. Yep. Yeah. So when did your book come out? Uh, my book came out in May of this year. So what is that? Nine months in, 10 mm-hmm. months in. Um, yeah. And I was very fortunate. I worked with a uh, publishing house, Barrett Kohler. And what they do is they bring good ideas to life. It kind of sounds like GE, but it's actually, they really uh, permeate the book publishing space with alternative and progressive ideas um, for everything from your mindset, as you mentioned, um, to uh, working, creating new spaces, design, uh, thinking, et cetera. Very cool. I love yeah. the title of this book because it, it's very much, it triggered the magic of tidying up. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I was like, no, I love the idea of tiny businesses because I'm obsessed with tiny houses mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. love things in micro format. So what mm-hmm. was your inspiration behind this book? Well, I was thinking a lot about tiny houses and I was thinking about the intentionality behind them and that when you run a business, it's as much about what you throw out as what you keep in. Mm-hmm. And then I went to like what other people kept saying to me, how do you do what you do? And you seem to be so chill, relaxed <laughs> with it. And I said, well, okay, not always, but if that's how I perceive to you, <laughs> let me work with that. Um, so I started really looking at what was most important to me. And I realized that what was most important, my, the way I structured my priorities was as much about, again, what I kept in and what I tossed out. Mm-hmm. And that led me to thinking about size and how size in terms of business is always about um, gross revenue, number of people in your business, um, scaling, scaling, scaling. We live in this world that, you know, they say go big or go bust. And that got me to thinking that you don't actually have to go super big to make a really 
significant impact. You can plant seeds. You can be part of a culture shift. You can really infiltrate. You can, you can generate new ideas. You can use a business for your platform, not only to make your living, which I think is essential, but to bring new ideas to life in this with a tiny focus, which means it's very intentional. And it's, um, you examine that intentionality on an ongoing basis by setting your priorities and then consistently and constantly realigning yourself with those priorities. Mm -hmm. So to me, it doesn't sound like tiny is a disadvantage in, in the strength, but it's very much niched out, very specific and very focused on Mm -hmm. the purpose of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Seth Godin actually gave me a lovely quote from my book, and he said, tiny is mighty. So the fun, once yeah. he said that, I said, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Thank you, Seth. Because, you know, you put on your cape and you're like Mighty Mouse. Yeah. Mighty, Mouse Mighty Mouse did some pretty significant things, and he's just a mouse. That's it. Well, <laughs> you my, know, my mom used to say, so my mom and I are both very short, and you're probably mm-hmm. in our club too. Yeah. Um, but she said, oh, we're I'm not, sitting up tall. <laughs> yeah, up tall. Um, we're not small. We're highly con- concentrated. There you go. Yeah. And so when I started my company 30 years now this year, um, the idea was to um, create a brand of reusable bags so that people would consider reusing instead of using single-use plastics, okay? When we started, that idea had not taken root. Nobody was talking about it, but we knew, I knew, that that's something I wanted to do, and that would keep me in alignment with, um, you know, in my business. I wouldn't compromise that, right? And that little seed of an idea over time really took hold. Now, are we responsible for the whole reusable bag movement? Absolutely not. But are we significantly, you know, a a significant part of that by planting thousands and thousands and thousands of bags into hands of people with that seed of idea? Yes. And we did not grow to be, you know, the Walmart of reusable bags. (laughs) Because we also had other priorities, which were, you know, family and time management and vacations and vacations, <laughs> you know, and, and profitability. So we wanted to always grow it to stay consistent with our personal and our social impact goals. Kudos to you, because I think yeah. that's the first thing that drops off when you start to feel a little bit of success and momentum is, well, if this works, let me multiply this by 10 and that's going to equal 100 times more revenue, but they're not focusing on the profit line. Yeah. They're focusing on the the money in, but the money out is just as important. Right. And you can get caught in that gerbil wheel. It can get pretty exciting when things just go boom, 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 boom. Like I remember we went from 700 to 2.2 million, like in a very quick snap because we were on Oprah, but then we also suffered a quick decline in the recession. And the thing is, if you're if you're growing that fast and you don't have your hands on the reins, mm-hmm. and what, what I mean by that is not so much authoritarian control, but a real, con- a deep connection to what you want and what you want out of this, yeah. what you want to create, how you want to make it, you can just spin out of control. For sure. Well, and then it's, it's harder to clean line. up. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done that. I've, I've had my, the, those things not in alignment mm-hmm. and I've seen it spin out. So I, so when I've gotten into those places again, now I know better. And that's kind of like the stuff that I confer in the book is, okay, you can do this. I did this. It's messy. <laughs> but if you prefer not to get your knees, you know, all bloody and scraped. Oh, oh I love that. Instead. Yeah. I love, a, I love a good mud pit of life. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Actually, I've, I been, show, I've been in the mud pit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did a show um, two shows ago um, about using your bottom. Uh-huh. So that's in your tush. Bottom, your tush, <laughs> yeah. you land on it or yep. actually the rock bottom. Yeah. When things don't go your way, what's the lesson learned? Yeah. Yeah. And also rock bottom is a really good place to go. If you want to just call it your baseline. Yeah. What's the least amount you need to make you smile? Ah. I mean, happiness is one of those things that you can, we could talk about happy, not happy all day long. But if you know a good walk in the park, or you said you like to take a nap, <laughs> or you like to pet your dog, you need that thing, or you want to get a glass of water, because that will bring you back to now, or whatever that is, you kind of, it's a practice to go back to it. It's kind of like meditation. It brings you back to something that says, okay, look, something that I didn't plan just happened. It may not be making me very happy, but I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. Whatever, you know, to sort of calm yourself down and put yourself in the place where you say, okay, now let me see how I can approach this problem. And approach is a problem, not a disaster. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think that what we absorb is what it takes to run a business is mm -hmm. totally different than what it actually takes to run a successful business that mm -hmm. works within our life. So we look oh, yeah. at all of these examples of like burning the midnight oil, killing ourselves, um, you know, being hardcore negotiators and, you know, slamming the table. But that seems like it's a very short-term potential win. But long-term, I see that as, as fizzle out or burnout. Yeah. And until recently, that's all you heard about in the media is those kinds of stories. I think the stories of like the magic of tiny business and more healthy, holistic approaches to business are starting to come out. Just like the tiny house movement, again, is all about, it's not just about living in a tinier space. Mm -hmm. It's about, and, and the uh, magic of tidying up, right? It's not, it's about the joy you can find in the, the abundance that you have and how do you work that so that you have what's, I like to say, what's enough for you? Yeah. It's not in comparison to the next person. This is very hard. We're in a very comparative culture. Yeah. It's, and it's really hard. It's really hard. And everybody's enough is different. I mean, you live in D.C. I live in um, the lower Hudson Valley, <laughs> Westchester. Uh, and so, you know, the financial needs are real. Mm -hmm. I'm not discounting them at all. But I'm also saying that the amount that you think you need to compromise may be a lot less than you think. Yeah. And if you're smarter about prioritizing what you think is important, maybe you won't work till midnight and burn the midnight oil. Maybe you'll go home at seven, have dinner with your partner or your family or wherever, and you'll start the next day fresh. Mm -hmm. And you'll be more efficient with your time because you've put that structure in place. Yeah. I think it's, it's really connected to what are the shoulds of, of the expectations that you've put on yourself? Mm -hmm. Are those coming from you or somewhere else? Exactly. It's, it's really tough. I mean, I work with a lot of small business owners and the level of expectation that they're operating under of how they think they should run their business seems so against who they are at the core of their being. And that's right. where the conflict happens. And they're like, I don't know what I should be doing right now. 
Right. And they need to really do a deep dive into the why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. And if they can connect really deeply with their why, like, let's say it's a bakery, right? And that person who is started the bakery uh, clearly either loves to bake or feels connected to community, feels like that bakery is part of community. Well, if they really focus on that, that will move them forward. I mean, the shoulds come in when you, the shoulds have a lot to do with expectations of where you should be by now. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. And I mean, I, again, I was in business, I've been in business for 30 years. You can plant seeds, you can do all that you can do. And then you can't control the outcome. Yeah. So we try to so much, <laughs> but you can't, right. But you can't, I mean, and maybe you can in the short term. I mean, some businesses take off right away and then fall flat. Mm -hmm. Some take a long time to, to get started like mine because the I started there was no market we created the market we fulfilled the market then there was competition blah 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 and some start out really slowly and then explode and some just go away mm -hmm. I mean how many businesses are around for 30 years it's it's very few from what I know so yeah that's amazing that yeah and also yeah yeah and are you and, and are you doing your business to have a business or are you doing your business to sell the business and I hate the term lifestyle business, but you know what? Let's bring it around. Let's redefine it. Maybe a lifestyle business, a business where you actually have a style of life isn't so bad. And you're, you have employees, you're, you're creating employment. You know, there's a lot of things we have to deconstruct from what we've been told mm -hmm. or directed, especially from business school and whatnot, which I did not go to, by the way. So. I did not either, even though oh, I was good. a minor. Yeah. There you go. I thought I was going to get my MBA and all that. And I was like, I've got life skills. I'm good. There you go. There you go. And I, I started out as an actor, so I, I know how to fall. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of falling. So I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, on the side, I'm a rapper. No. Yes. Yeah, so my, wow. boy, my boyfriend is a full-time musician. So I rap with his band. That is so cool. <laughs> and the first time I rapped with him, I literally fell on my butt. <laughs> literally. <laughs> I, and it was videoed. So it is it is out in the in the universe. In the world. Yeah. I'm like, that's the worst that's gonna happen. So I think oh. falling on your butt is not the worst thing. It is not the worst thing. And um I went many moods ago to the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center. I studied there. Um and their motto now is risk, fail, risk again. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not talking about jumping off cliffs. <laughs> Because <laughs> I've actually done some stand-up. So when you do stand-up, I mean, yeah, you know when you're failing. <laughs> the audience oh, is yeah. just sitting there looking at you like, uh, okay, we're polite, but we're not going to be polite for that long. And then they do the wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. And you think, oh, that was horrible. But, you know, so what? I'm still okay. I'm still okay, yeah. yeah. So I think I'm, I'm hearing there's like, the personal questions to ask yourself before you enter business mm -hmm. of checking in with why you're doing it, what's important to you, mm -hmm. but then being able to have that honest conversation with you about your threshold limits. So that baseline yep. of what do, what do I need to be happy? What do I need to pay my bills? And if I don't think that I can do it with my business, what am I willing to do in order to support the growth of this business or my lifestyle in the mm -hmm. meantime? Because yep. I think people get wrapped up into the ego of what it is to be a business owner. And if you take a part-time job or let's say you're working your nine to five while you're building your business, people have a lot of shame wrapped around that. Yeah. Don't. Don't. <laughs> 
it's just a it's a waste of time shame and worrying are just wastes of time i mean you could be doing something um but i mean if you're caught up in that game like i say look at what's really important to you so if, again if you what's really important is getting home in time for for dinner make that your priority um maybe that means you have to cut out three lattes in a week i mean that's the example but i mean i know of course, when I started my business, I had two small children, so and there was no place to get lattes, <laughs> especially in my neighborhood in Washington Heights in Manhattan, pre-Lynn Manuel, by the way. Um, but anyway, so I think we're, a lot of us operate on all these, like I said, shoulds, conditionals, and then we're always dripping money. It's like a faucet that's on all the time, and you have to really know what's the most important to you, and it's not that hard to turn off getting a croissant every day. Get it once a week. You know, I don't, don't deprive yourself, yeah. but create things, switch it up. If you're actually in a cash flow, uh, from a cash flow perspective, switch it up so that the things you feel like you need are a treat as opposed to the ordinary. I mean, you'll, you'd be surprised how much you, you'll free yourself by releasing yourself of that almost futuristic indebtedness, you know yeah. what I'm saying, in order to keep up. Don't keep up with anybody. Keep up with yourself because, I mean, you have to be healthy in order to run your business. So I say it's your job to, to be healthy. I love your that. business depends on your health. Absolutely. And I love this idea of transitioning what feels like an entitlement into a reward. Yeah. That's such, that's such a, like a paradigm shift for people because they get conditioned in their routine of, I deserve this. I couldn't possibly let this go. But if you actually look at the impact that that imprisonment on that item or that routine is creating and limiting your success, then by changing it up and seeing it as I'm treating myself, but yeah. a treat every day is no longer a treat. No, it's just your normal. Yeah. You know, reset your normal. Reset your normal. I was talking to a friend the other day and she was like, how do I reduce my expenses? And, and we went over some expenses and she was telling this outrageous amount for cable. I said, unplug that. I yeah. haven't had cable for 10 years. I haven't had it for four. Yeah. It's yeah. You do not need cable. No. And I mean, you have, the there's a million ways to get what you, that stuff by streaming and you have a computer. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can, and you can call the companies. I've gotten my, my cell phone bill cut in half just by having a conversation of what yeah. are these extra charges that you're adding onto my account that I don't. Exactly. Pay. Exactly. And that's actually a big piece just for businesses is on an annual basis, be your own comptroller, call every vendor that you work with and say, what, what do you got going? Can we lower this? And, yeah. you know, sometimes just by asking, you get things lowered. Yeah. I love the idea of the tiny business in the ability to be flexible and nimble in a very rapid pace. Mm -hmm. Like It's like a jet ski versus like a big old tugboat trying to turn around. Right. Right. And, and, the, and actually, the bigger your tiny business gets, now I know that seems like an oxymoron, but the more systems and processes you have in place, the more you do slow down. Mm-hmm. Because you have to really, um, you have to schedule everything. Yeah. But if it's all, if it's all rooted deeply as the company culture, so not just your culture, but the, the culture that you share with everyone that you're working with, and they don't need to be employees. It can be 1099s. It can be vendors. Um, so that you're setting the expectations. If it's deeply rooted in those priorities, you're good. Yeah. Because that's where it's going to come from. And, um, and so then you have the opportunity to not take a cell phone call after X time mm -hmm. or to screen it. 
or what I'm working on now is not responding to emails very quickly. Yeah. I know it sounds weird, but if you send me an email and I respond right away, I'm here for you and you know that back and forth, maybe that's setting the wrong precedent with you. Let's give it some air. Let's slow down a little. And I'm, but I'm obviously not talking about anybody who's any, in any life-threatening um, or demanding situation. I'm not running blood. I make canvas and cloth bags. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I need my bag. <laughs> yeah. And then that allows, you to, that allows you to prioritize when you do have to respond that quickly. It's but, so I mean, you're in the driver's seat. You're not yeah. just responding. You are driving it. Yeah. I think there, it's, it's the people pleasing or something else. I just had a session earlier today about that of training people how to treat you. So treat your calendar and your schedule mm -hmm. as the first line of defense to block off your time and to, oh, yeah. and to let people know I'm available during this time to work on this for you. Before mm -hmm. that, I'm going to be working on this because it shows, listen, you're important to me, but my other clients are important too. And I'm in high demand. Right. And, and also, yeah. And I'm know, important to me. I'm important to me. And you should schedule the things that are important for yourself first and foremost. Yeah. And I actually, it's in my book too. I write a business uh, for your, I mean, a, a, um, an appointment for yourself, like swimming or yoga, even if it's midday, is an appointment. Yes. Don't break your appointments. <laughs> it's an appointment. You know, you if should... you said, if you put swimming in at two o'clock every day, you're gone. Yeah. It's and an appointment. It's a business appointment too. They, people respect business appointments. They're not yeah. going to respect, oh, you're going to yoga in the middle of the afternoon. Well, <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. Aren't you jealous? Mm -hmm. But I think what you should do is in the same way that doctors will penalize you if you miss your appointment, you should penalize yourself too as a cancellation fee. Oh, that's interesting concept. You mean, yeah. so you have to put what? Like 20 bucks, put it away okay. in a jar. Because some people, there's different like, People, I don't know if you've read The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. I know her. I know her through a friend, but I don't know her directly. And I, I did see that. Yeah. So basically, yeah. There's, there's this one type. It's the way that you handle internal and external mm -hmm. feedback. Mm -hmm. So if you are one who does not really listen to internal, but externally, you're very driven by it. That, it's called the obliger. So mm -hmm. if you work better for external penalties or consequence, then this would be a really good tip for you to okay. penalize yourself with a financial one. I'm very self-motivated. And actually, if someone tells me to do it, I'm like, no. Um, yeah, I'm like that too. <laughs> I'm like, I want to do it. Therefore, I'm going to do it. So we don't need penalties. Yeah, but I totally get that because like this morning, it was four degrees when I left my house and I decided when I was lying in bed that I was going to go for a swim. It was four degrees outside. I might swim inside in a heated pool. I was like, you swimming outside? <laughs> yeah, but my body, my brain, every part of me was saying, no, nah, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. You don't need to. And I was thinking, well, actually, I do. I didn't swim yesterday because it was two degrees. Um, you got to go today. Um, and it was icy rain. Um, you have to go. And I feel 100% better because I, I made myself go. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, what it is um, – I did this when I first started writing and I didn't even know I'd write a book. I just wanted to put myself into a new practice is I gave myself, I used my phone as time to time limit myself to write and to time limit myself to play the piano. And now I'm doing it to time limit myself to draw. And what it does is over the period of 30 days actually is what neuroscientists are saying. As you actually carve neuro, neural pathways, mm -hmm. it also, for me, just as a way, another way to approach, there's negative reinforcement and then there's positive, is it creates a desire in me to do more of it. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So if I sit down to write for 15 minutes and the buzzer goes off, but I still want to write, but I stop when the buzzer goes off, but the next day I go and I want to write. Hmm. I don't exhaust okay. that. You know, I, I'm building up the kind of urgency and the yeah. desire to do it while I'm also creating a skill, which is, well, two skills actually, writing and practice, the practice of writing, which are different. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I took, I took a different approach when I did my book. So Mm -hmm. this is my third attempt on publishing a book. Okay. I made a different deal with myself, which was only write when inspired and stop Mm -hmm. when you're tired. Okay. And so that way I had that agreement with myself, but I think what, what it sounds like on your side is like when you violate that agreement with yourself, it doesn't serve you. But when you honor the agreement, it makes you more excited to get back. Yep. Yep. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, start with inspire inspiration when the inspiration hits but i was i created the fire for the inspiration by returning to the practice daily you know i love some fire (laughs) yeah yeah it's a good fire (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, and it works it it totally works because it gets me it got me out of a comfort zone that i didn't even know i had to have ideas i would never have had yeah and like the other day i started drawing and i didn't i mean the drawing is who cares about the drawing? I'm not making it to put on a wall at the yeah. Met. I'm making, it was a Sharpie on paper. Yeah. But it's about but I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't checking social media. I yeah. wasn't, you know, just doing what I normally do. I was sort of creating new spaces. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what I'm, what I'm failing to acknowledge though, and I, I don't know why I forgot this, but I put myself through a hundred day blog challenge before I wrote my book. So oh, I was see, already in yeah. the practice of it, but I gave yeah. myself the, the space. I gave myself like a four month break before I picked up writing again. Um, you have to. You, yeah, it burns. Oh, after out. I wrote my book, I think it was six months before I wrote anything. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm just writing a lot of the dribbles I'm writing. Nobody, it, it's not for Same. public. <laughs> yeah, mine came out in August, so I'm literally doing a daily lesson on LinkedIn, and that's about all I can push out right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all I want to push out. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's like writer's block. That's not like no. the well is dry. That's like you really generated something of value, and you're ready for input as opposed to output. Yeah, absolutely. So when I see people... And I I would love your opinion on this. So these mastermind groups of like, write a book a year, make $600,000 in a month, like all of these big ticket outcome mastermind groups or workshops, whatever they are, what are your thoughts on those in relation to the tiny business? Well, for me, they just seem like too much work. I just go, why? I, I, why? I mean, I guess if you're really, if, if $600,000 really motivates you. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a nice number. I just um, think of all the taxes I have to pay on it. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I would, that's exactly what I would do. I'd go, okay, 600. Okay. My tax bracket. Okay. That means I'm going to do what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and also who's going to assure that outcome? You know how hard it is to market a book. Yeah. And I actually don't like all those, um, or I'm not a fan of everybody monetizing everything that they do. Right. You know, I, I totally get that we need to monetize um, to create a living, but everything that's put out does not need to be monetized. And I think you create a better sense of community when you give to give, not give to get. Yeah. And not give to give with the hope that in the next month you can then get them to buy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in an order to. 
Yeah. I mean, yes, I would love it if everybody listening buys my book, but I'd also like it if everybody talks to each other about some of the ideas, if it generates a conversation. It's because it's really, it's not, it's, and I'm not going to sell a course. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm not selling anybody a course. In fact, when I started, they said, well, how, how are you going to market this book? I said, I'm not going to sell a, a course. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll figure it out, but I'm not selling. I'm not selling. I'm not going to be another one of those. And some of the people have done really well, but again, I was an actor for a while, and so I know there's there's a funnel. Yeah, and I, you have to decide how fast and how deep you want to swim, and what you want to. You'll have to give something up. There's a compromise always. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest issue that I have is when people say this is easy, just follow my steps. It worked for them that way, and I guarantee it was not easy for them as they were figuring it out. Yeah. And I think it's, it's yeah. a disservice to, to people, to entrepreneurs, to small business owners to say this is easy. Exactly. It's not easy, but I totally agree with you what you said earlier, which is cherry picking. I cherry pick all the time. Hell yeah. Uh, everything that comes into my inbox that looks a little interesting or things I find just as I'm referred to them, if I can take a bit of wisdom, a little, a micro shift, a niche idea, they all come in from different, I don't need to take one single course to drive down that range all the time. You know, I just, I pick things up, I make it my own, but that's because, you know, I'm an improviser. So that's I, innovation right there. Yeah. And if it works, it works. I mean, like my book right now, I don't know what you're doing um, with yours, but I'm finding pretty good success with Amazon marketing services. I am not. I would love your ideas on yeah. that. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. See, I'm published through a publisher. So the I, it's not a, it's a, it's a negative for me. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm not making money on everything I do, um, mm -hmm. but it's for the greater lift. It's a, it's an investment towards wherever it will bring me. So, um, but I'm finding I'm getting thousands and thousands more impressions. And mm -hmm. so you just have to sort of, there's a lot of people out there looking for a lot of different things. And I'm finding that there's a good return. Interesting. I, I found great success with the subscription boxes. Uh, so that's I'd like to talk to you about that. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been just, I think it's just being detached from the outcome. So when I wrote the book, it was never about, I want to make X amount of dollars. I want X amount of sales. It was just about the practice of having it out there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Done. So it was no longer an excuse of, I can't do this because I haven't written. Right. Right. Um, and it's been pretty incredible. The amount of sales that I've had, I'm not making a ton of money on it, but it's not about that for me. Yeah. I mean, I think you can, you have to go over to a threshold, but mm -hmm. it's not about that. And I yeah. think I agree with you on the subscription boxes and um, it's reaching a critical mass yep. so that your concepts take root. Mm -hmm. So you get, so that you can play with your ideas and your yeah. ideas are out there being played. Absolutely. I, the yeah. coolest thing is I saw someone presenting on my ideas in Spain. That is very cool. In Spanish. I was like, this is super cool. <laughs> that is, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So they were like, when are you writing this in Spanish? I was like, when I learn how to write in Spanish. <laughs> oh, you know what? I've gotten that too. Also from Spain specifically, because mm -hmm. I know my book is in Hungary, China, and Vietnam. Interesting, right? Mm. So when I put my videos up on YouTube, I now, well, the last one I did because um, uh, NYC TV did a feature on me, I did the auto translation in like 12 languages because oh, cool. I thought, right? I mean, it's just there. You just, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, idea. these are the like little hacks that I just sort of pick yeah. up and I do and I'll, we'll see. I mean, that's it. I love the idea of the tiny business as like the scrappy, hacky, like 
figure it out. Like we'll duct tape it and make it work. But there's so many solutions that are right under our nose, but yeah. we don't have to pay for it. Like, mm-hmm. or you pay a very small amount. Like I was, I was working with someone today and about scheduling. I mm-hmm. used a company scheduling. It cost me $10 a month and mm-hmm. it's like having a virtual assistant. And is that Calendly or something or the it's other? It's like Calendly, but this uh-huh. one, I, I like the functionality of it more. You can customize things a little bit more. And I think- Ooh, tell me about that too then, because I've been looking yes. for something. Yeah, right. And then there's there's other hacks. Like um, I actually got this at a conference, which is the algorithms read videos more than they read um, flat pictures. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you import your picture into an app that will make it a video and you reduce the app function, the video function down to like one. So if, let's say you add sparkles, right? Yeah. So it makes it a video. Yeah. Okay. But you can take the sparkles down to where that you don't even perceive the sparkles, but the algorithm reads the thing as a video. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all these, you know, little things. And by the way, tiny doesn't need, need to be small business though. Just, just get that across. Yeah. You can have a couple million dollar business. It's very focused, very intentional and doesn't break from that. I, I love that. So tiny, I feel, do you have an acronym for what tiny stands for? No, go I ahead. Like wrap it. Need it. I don't know. <laughs> I, let me sit on that a little bit, but I love having intentional and like nimble. Oh yeah. Like, so T needs one tremendously, uh, intentional, nimble, and yummy. <laughs> and yummy. Yummy. Why not? Why not? Hey, my husband's a musician too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's a pianist. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I, I love it. It's, it's not about the size, but about maybe it's the scope. It's the scope. It's about impact. It's about, yeah, it's about, it's really intentionality. I mean, yeah. we just, we just, you know, when you're in business, you just get pushed and pulled so much. Mm-hmm. So keep putting yourself in the driver's seat. And I may not have said this years ago, but now I've actually come to realize it, that women tend to not give themselves full credit for what they're doing and they give themselves up too often for other things. And we need to put ourselves consistently in the driver's seat. Yeah. It's so funny. Three episodes back. So you haven't heard this show that I did with Miss United States. That was Mm -hmm. the theme of our show is get in the driver's seat, stopping. And I put this on LinkedIn. It was, are you the driver, the passenger or the cargo? Oh, uh uh-huh. Right. The passenger at least has a voice to say, this is where I want to go, or this is where I don't want to mm-hmm. go. The mm-hmm. cargo is just going along for the ride. Just going along for the ride. And, you know, even like you said, there's so many shoulds. The shoulds come from inside you, but they also come from your, the culture you're in, your your town, your your spouse, your partner. Your, I mean, you kind of, and all the stuff you read, you have to have, your lens has to be very clearly identified. Mm-hmm. So that when you go in for something, you, you can get what you need. I'm not saying to discard the stuff that you disagree with because that stuff actually can be really important and useful, mm-hmm. but don't let it jerk you around. Yeah. And don't let jerks jerk you around either. No. So if, if you have an environment full of jerks, you may need a new environment. Yeah. And that's much easier said than done. So oh, for sure. Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, I cleaned up. None of this is easy. No. Yeah, if you're looking for easy, uh, I, I, although I don't think working in a large corporation is easy either. I mean, it's not. you're it's always easy. navigating. So why not be the navigator? Yeah. And, and you can always look for other people to make your solutions happen, but you got to be ready to, to grab onto it, to really see the, the fruits of your labor. Yeah. 
Agreed, one hundred percent. We're we're cut from the same cloth here. Yeah. We're, we a lot of <laughs> lot of metaphors going on. <laughs> oh, I can keep going. It's bad. I I work with a lot of developers and coders. Um, uh huh. So I literally talk to them like I'm a coder, but I'm not. <laughs> So I like, I talk about algorithms and, and, you know, let's troubleshoot this and let's debug it. And they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay. Oh my God. Like, you clearly don't know what you're talking about lady, but I see what you're saying. Right? Yeah. But we understand you. Yeah. Actually. And that's, so that's very powerful thing you just said, because everything we say with words has attachments. Mm-hmm. So I think a key thing in business too, is don't make any assumptions. Do not be afraid to say, so what you just said is blah, 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 blah. Or I interpreted what you said to mean this. Am I right? Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> Am That's I on the right path? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we make sure we're talking about the same thing? And it's okay to say that to yourself. Yeah. You should probably start with yourself and question the assumptions that you're taking along with you. Yeah. Because that's where innovation happens when you can challenge the assumptions. Yeah. And you got to be ready to get your hands dirty. That's it. You can wear gloves. Yeah, you can, <laughs> especially if you had your nails done. But anyway. <laughs> I haven't had my nails done in like a year. That's, that's what. Yeah. I actually don't do them. I just have them. I just cut them because I have, you know, I garden and I ski and I hike and I, you know, it's not worth it. No, I hear you. No. I haven't cut my hair in like eight months. It's great. My hairdresser hates it, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah. But that's figuring out what's <laughs> important to you. Like, that's I'm, what's important to you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be somebody who's who's dishing out money when I could be investing it back in. That's it, because you're investing in yourself. That's it. You're investing in yourself, and it's not in just it's not you're not investing for your future. You're investing for your now too. Yeah, yeah. And my now is much better knowing that I have a future. There you go. And a really a really successful one. Well, there you go. And that, a lot of that ties to, I think, what's really important is really understanding your numbers. Yeah, which are scary You're, for a lot of people. Yeah, but why? They're numbers. Yeah. They don't like, you don't look at the number one and it doesn't go, grr. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you could, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I've number. never been hit over the head or mugged by a 50. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know. But seven, they're numbers. Eight, nine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Nine, nine can be a little rough. You're right. No, yeah, but um, no. seven is the problem because seven, eight, nine. Yeah, seven did eat nine. But you know, there's always. Well, I'm not going to keep going on this. <laughs> but but I think that's a great point. Is uh, make it about the facts and the data and get out of the story of it. Yeah, yeah. I actually have found that working um really tightly with numbers and adjusting, forecasting, and budgeting. And I don't care if and. I don't even care if you have no profit yet or no money, do it because there's, there's benchmarks, there's metrics. You can see when you go off the rails, you can pull it back before you're completely off the rails. Um, you can say, Oh gee, I'd really love to do that thing for that marketing thing. But you go, I can't afford to do that now. What else can I do? There's always a gorilla way in too. There's oh, always yeah. a hack. There's always something, especially if you can do it, not just for you, but for the person you're working with to make them shine. Mm. Like me talking now is not about me. It's about you. It's about making sure that people who listen to me today are going to come back to you to hear more because they love it and I they're getting that. something out of it, you know? So, and if we share, do those things with generosity, it comes back around anyway. Absolutely. I I'm, I'm seeing the title. Maybe we need a collaboration of, uh, 
called Gorilla Hack. Gorilla, okay, Gorilla Hack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like just a machete and like people stealth mode. Yeah. <laughs> gorilla hacks for business. Yeah. All and organized, please, because they, there's so many there's that they, and they fall into so many categories. And by the time, at least for me, I forget them. And then they sort of bubble up in the middle of the night. It's like, Oh, right. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to do. It's the witching hour. It's like 4am. All the ideas start to flood in. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm not going to take up any more time because I feel like we have like bubbled over with ideas and tips for people to take with them as they start to view their own businesses as tiny businesses mm-hmm. and, and to really have that intentional and the nimble approach of focusing on what's important and, and really focusing on themselves first and foremost. And right. Thank you. Yeah. And I, you know, and if you can't focus on what's most important, because I know when I first started, it was very hard for me to do that, but we kind of all know what's not important. Yeah. Yeah. So go at it from the negative space. What don't you want? Make a list of what you do not want and what you do not think is important and what makes you really get in that place (laughs) of meh. And I'm not saying it's going to be a hundred percent, but really identify where you do not want to go. You do not need to go down those paths, Yeah. but you have to articulate it. Yeah. And if social media gives you that feeling, take it off your phone. There you go. Or limit it. Do whatever you need to do to to make your path. You know, you you have choices. And aren't you fortunate if you have choices? Absolutely. Choice is power. Yeah. And not everybody has choices. So make the best ones you can and set, I think, be an example. Yeah. That puts you in a leadership role. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a good place to end. <laughs> good know, ending. Like, wrap Kaboom. that one up with it. <laughs> Sharon, thank you so much for, for hanging you. out with me today. And if people want to check out your book or check out Eco Bags, where should they go? Um, you know, the easiest place is Amazon, Amazon.com for um, the book. You can also get it at a lot of Barnes and Nobles have it. Um, there's a bunch of independent bookstores that have it nationwide. You can ask for it and they can order it for you. Um, libraries have it. Um, and you know, feel free if you read it and you want to, you know, send me a note or put a, um, a review on Amazon is always great, but this is how the ideas spread. Absolutely. Well, we will put a link yeah. up in the show notes Thank you. and we'll be checking back in cause, cause cool. we got more to discuss. <laughs> oh, good. We'll, we'll, we'll do a do over and we'll figure out, we'll do the teen tiny. Although I like the ending was yummy cause I'm yummy. actually hungry right now. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so okay. much. And Thank you. All the Spitfires out there. Keep being awesome.